we'll collect, collect them there. Then we want to hear from you. Are you warm? Is it cool enough in here? Good, good. I'm going to ask my little helpers to come up here real quick before they leave. So I asked a couple of you if you would come join me this morning. Are you coming? Here comes one, two. All right. So I'm going to ask a couple questions of our little helpers. You guys stand up here so they can see you nice and tall. So first I'm going to ask your name. Matthew. Matthew. Matthew Dallas Hyman. So here's the question. What do you love about your daddy? He lets me mow the lawn. Oh, he lets you. Good job. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And Bailey, what's your full name? Bailey Green. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Louise. Right. So, Bailey, what is it that you love about your daddy? That I like that he plays the guitar because I think it sounds nice. Oh, that's precious. Hey, kids, today before you leave, make sure there's some gifts for our fathers that we have here today. Make sure that you, if you see somebody without a gift, make sure they get one. And our ushers will make sure you can find them, Okay. So don't let dads leave today before they get a gift. Aren't these kids awesome? All right. Good job. Thank you, guys. All right. So the kids are going to be going to class. There's the bridge that is out through this door. And then our younger ones are going outside with Judy. Not outside, outside, but they're going to go to class with Judy. It's a little warm outside. So what do you love about your daddy? What's your full name? <laughs> Jimmy Wilford Stockton. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so Matt gets to do a writing lawnmower. That's why it's so cool. I know I have a 15-year-old, and I don't think he thinks the coolest thing I let him do is mow the lawn. So good job, Luis. So happy Father's Day. You know, today is um, interesting because as you start preparing for Father's Day, I was thinking it's not easy to prepare a Father's Day message, and can I explain to you why? (laughs) Because it's different than it used to be. Do you hear that? Um, I was thinking, you know, and I, I wasn't preaching 40 years ago, but 40 years ago, I think you had a lot of dads in the home, and a lot of people knew their fathers. That might be false, but I'm assuming. But as I was trying to prepare for today's Father's Day message, first of all, I really have a a strong belief and conviction about fatherhood. Not just for me, but for men. But I thought, you know, today, in today's day and age, it's odd because I'm thinking, who am I going to be preaching to? There's going to be some fathers here, and there's going to be some that um, maybe didn't know their father or had what we deem today in society, and you hear it in churches, you hear it a lot at youth conferences, is that we hear a lot about father issues and daddy issues and things of that nature. And I thought, man, this is Father's Day. And a Father's Day message a lot of times over the last years has been be better fathers. It's a lot of scolding to you men out there. You need to be better fathers. And, and, and I didn't want to do that. 
so what I decided was today I want to preach about all of it. <laughs> because I don't want to shy away from what is biblical and foundational and what will bring peace and joy and success, not just to a family, but to a, an entire community. We are a functional family church. That's what we're striving to be. Well, how do we become a better family? How do we become a better church? Not better than other churches, but in and of where we're at today, how do we become better than we are today? Well, I believe a lot of it depends upon the heart of a father. Yes, it depends on all of us having a heart for our heavenly father. But it also depends on us becoming that which God has called us to be. And if you're a man, if you plan on getting married or if you've been married or you've married and you've had children, God has intentional purpose, has a strong purpose for you to be the father that he created you to be and that you can be. And when that is where it is, needs to be, it will be all right. It's funny, I'm thinking about bees because I, we had an anniversary this week. This is Rabbit Trail. And I brought home flowers, and there was a little plastic bee in it. And uh, actually, I was just trying to get credit for bringing home flowers. But uh, anyhow, my mind might wander today, so keep me on track. Actually, let's do this. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for opportunity today to come to you and thank you for being a perfect father. I love what we heard in that song and that was emphasized, Lord, is that you love us because of who we are. And who we are is what you've created us to be. Who we've become sometimes is not exactly that. But you've redeemed us and you can continue to sanctify us and make us more perfect the way that you created us. So, Lord, we honor you and we thank you for being our Father. Bless this time and this message. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a lot of father. I'm in, I'm in a different place in my life now as a father. I, I have one that's out of the house, and we're kind of in that mode of thinking about college for our last one, and soon they'll be out of the house, and then it's just going to be different for us. And, and so we're thinking about the stages that you go through, and then I started thinking about because it's Father's Day, it's a time to reflect. And I got to consider my father and, and, and his father. I thought, God, what are some memories? Because our series this summer is about making memories and for us, but for our children too. They're extremely important to us. And what can we do to make memories for our kids that are God-centered and God-focused and that will change their lives for eternity? And so I was thinking as a child, what are some fond memories? Well, my dad and my grandfather pastored here at this church together, which now that I look at it was an awesome time. It was an interesting time, and, and uh, it's, it's not a commonplace thing necessarily, but there was a lot of benefit there for us as his children, and, and, and not just the three of his kids, but I believe there was, I, uh, Carl and Carol, Carol reminded me today that as a pastor, you kind of become a father for many, and I know that he was a father to many. But I would watch my father in that pastoral role, and one of the places that I really liked going, especially when he wasn't there, was to his office. Because there was, his office 
demonstrated who he was for me. I, I used to like to go through his desk and, and just see the things in his desk and really how messy it was. Because <laughs> it could get messy at times. And, but I just remember thinking, wow, what went on in this office? He had all these books in a closet. And, and I remember as a teenager having opportunity to maybe speak in a chapel here at the Christian school we had here. And, and so I'd go, Dad, how do I preach? And how do I study to preach? And, and he had all these books so I got to see him in that place as, as that father, that father that was very uh, godly and, and loved the Lord and loved the people that he was called to serve. But then I got to see something that was also very unique as I reflect on this, and that was watching him go across the hallway into his father's office, my grandfather, and almost watch how things would almost tend to shift in a sense and, and see all of a sudden where he was, to me, the pinnacle next to God. Now there was like, he was, in a sense, humble in the presence of his father. And then I got to watch that whole activity and, and how being a father isn't necessarily always being the one in charge, but also being able to humble yourself in the presence of an authority that is greater than you. And, and I, I got to watch that whole thing play out, and it was an awesome demonstration. It was a perfect memory for me to understand my place as a man of God. Now, what does that mean to you? Maybe you didn't have that opportunity. And, and so as I shared last week, I want to share these opportunities or these, these memories with you because I want you to understand that, that what you may have not experienced, you can experience in the future, and these are what these experiences can teach you. They may not be the exact experience. It may not look the same, but what you can gather from it will change your life and make you a better person, a better man, and it'll be ordained and led by the Spirit. But that was an awesome memory for me. Um, now, enough about me. What are some memories that you have? I would have you think about it. What are, what's the fondest memory of your father? We heard one saying, hey, trust me enough to let me get on a riding mower, and that is a big deal. Or, or my dad is so... Uh, awesome that he can play the guitar. And you know, in her eyes, he's the best guitar player in the world. Right? Because it's her daddy. What's your fondest memory of your father? Today, We live in an interesting time in America as a country, and I'm going to speak specifically because I know God rules the world, but of our country, we're in an interesting time. It's tumultuous. It's, there's a lack of peace. There's a lack of respect for authority. There's, and, and as I watch the media and the news or Facebook, and I get irritated, and I just don't want to hear the grumbling or the attacking, or whatever might be going on, because it's just what I, I almost want, what they need is a good father to tell them to sit down, be quiet, and obey your mother. <laughs> because there's a lack of authority right now that is being respected, or there's a lack of respect for authority. And, and it's a real issue in our nation today. And it's a real issue in our communities that we live in. I, I 
I've been a, a disciplinarian as a father, and yes, my kids have been swatted a time or two. Not very often because um, you thought you were killing them in the process, so, so I was more scared than they were. But um, I, I, <laughs> both of them have done this, and so don't judge me, please. Um, he'll judge me. But this is, I would go in their room, and they, you're going to get a swat. And they would literally almost crawl into the corner of the ceiling to get away from me. No, you're going to kill me. And, and I know the dramatic side of that nearly was effective enough to get me to stop. And, uh, but what it was is I loved them so. And that behavior was not going to be beneficial for them in their life. I don't even know where I'm going with this message. And all of a sudden, I'm finding myself talking about corporal punishment. I don't know that that was the intent of the message today. But where did I learn these things? I learned these things from my father. Where did he learn them? He learned them from his father. And I know that they were biblically founded men of God that learned this from Scripture. And these were things that were passed down from generation to generation that are still being uh, demonstrated in the, their children's lives and in their grandchildren's lives and their great-grandchildren's lives. I don't doubt that when my son grows up and becomes a father, he's going to be a good father. I, I know he's only 15, but I, I know how much he truly loves people and how he truly, he has a real heart for children. We, we watch America's Got Talent and, and uh, Little Big Shots. He loves that show. He loves to watch little kids do things. He's just, and I see that in him. Well, where'd that come from? Well, it came because of a generational respect for authority, and understanding the love of God. I'm going to get to my message in a minute, but I want you to understand a couple things. God loves you so immensely that he will do anything he has to do for your life to demonstrate his love for you. He'll do anything. He has done everything. My oldest, we've had numerous talks about life and life in general and 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 she's seeking and searching and but one thing that's never as, as there was this time and, and maybe you've experienced it where there's a time of just seeking and searching and maybe a little wandering and I can remember having a conversation that was this specific and says you know just like God loves us I will always love you unconditionally there is nothing Nothing, 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 nothing that you can ever do or that you have ever done that will cause your father God to not love you. He will always, this is biblical truth, he will always love you. He loves you now. He loves you now as much as he did before you were born. And he'll love you tomorrow as much as he has always loved you more than you'll ever understand until you're in glory with him. That's the same love that a godly father will have for their children. And as I explained this to her, I said, but there's another truth. Is that wrong decisions will create consequences. And consequences is God's way of disciplining us back into his will or back into a place where we can find peace and comfort again. He'll always love you, 
but he will not necessarily protect you from the consequences because the consequences of decisions outside of his will lead us back to the cross, back to repentance, which lines us up into the loving arms of a father. That's a, it's a hard talk, but it's, it's a real one. If you've ever experienced bad times or hard times, there's a scripture for it. I, I'm, I'm partially preaching the message. It's in, I believe it's in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 7 says this, put up with hard times. You might make decisions that cause hard times to come upon yourselves. Put up with them. Deal with it. That This is a father's talk this morning. If you really want hugs and kisses, go to your mom. And this is really how it is in our house with our kids, and they know I love them, and I love you. But if you're having hard times, put up with it. God uses them to train you. He is treating you as children. What children are not trained by their parents. It goes on. This is the New Living Reader's Version, or New International Reader's Version. God wants all of his children, or God trains, I should say, all of his children. But what if he doesn't train you? Then you are like children of people who weren't married to each other, who are not truly God's children. You are, you would not be God's children if he didn't train you. This is where a lot of people, when they start talking about the hard times they're going through, it's, they this brings up a lot of questions. There's those that are out there that says, well, God is good all the time. And yes, he is. But God is a just God, too. Just as you would not allow your children to run out into the street for the potential danger that lies there, he's not going to allow you to uh, willfully and peacefully enter into a sinful nature that would lead to destruction. Because he desires you to be in his will. I today, when my, I get a report from my kids, and usually you know how it is, when they're younger, they, roll, they run in and they want to show you exactly how they, they threw the ball. Dad, I, I threw it like this, and then it hit the wall, and then it came back, and then I caught it like this, and I picked it up, and then I threw it like that again. And I mean, they want to describe every moment of every little thing. It doesn't change a lot when they get older, I'm finding, because now they're saying, so, Dad, I went to work, and it was a really good day. And when I was at work, they actually talked to me about getting an increase in my pay, and, and then I was training this person. I did it. It's not much different. Why? Because they want to please their father. That's why you need to have quiet time, because you need to go to the father and say, I know I didn't do this quite right, but what did you see me when I was talking to so-and-so about you? It was so cool, because then they were, like, listening to me. I mean, those are times that you can spend with your father. Now, here's the issue, though. The struggle I have as a preacher talking about fathers is there's so much that has gone on in the world today. When you talk about a father, it stirs up hurt and concern. 
Because there's been a lot of people that wanted the father that God had created them to have and didn't receive that. Or maybe they didn't know their father. Or maybe their father left when they were a child and they blamed themselves for it. Or, or God forbid, maybe it was a father that did something wrong to their child. These things happen today. They're not godly. They're bad. But there is a solution Because God doesn't allow sin to enter into the world without providing a better solution for that sin. In fact, he did it already. It was called the cross and his son being crucified on that cross for that sin, for that hurt, for all the things that were wrong because of a father issue in a life. It was covered by that blood and when believed in can bring healing and peace And set things right again so you can be that which God has designed you to be. But first, I want to challenge you, fathers, today. As desperate as the world may be, what you do today may not change society or the community tomorrow. But if you do what you ought to do, it begins to turn the tide of the way things are going. So my challenge to you fathers today is what Scripture tells us, and that is to train up a child, as we see in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he or she is old, they will not depart from it. Be intentional about training them up in the way they should go. Because you can go out and teach them to be good employees. You can teach them to be college graduates that have a degree. But at the end of it all, when they are celebrating the life that they lived or loved ones are, it's eternity that's going to matter, not just the skills that you gave them. Train them up on a level that's eternal and not temporal. Train them up. Create memories beyond camping. I love camping, and I have a tremendous amount of memories fishing and camping with my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather. But the eternal lasting memories are the most valuable. Train them up. The precious times in our house is sometimes when it's unfortunate, you have a child that's sick and they just know and I doubt, but they know that if I would pray for them, they would be healed. Because somewhere in my child's mind and understanding is that I'm so close to God that if I pray for them, they'll be healed. Now, the responsibility that a father has in that is then now to show them that they too have the same opportunity to go directly to their father and pray. But those are the memories that I pray that you will create for your children. I think the challenge that we have as fathers 
many times is I how. I know how to do what I've learned to do, but how do I raise them up in the ways of the Lord? How do I train them up in the way that they should go? And I want to encourage you this morning. You can. There's a scripture you'll find even on one of the little gifts we have for you today, and it's found in Micah. and It's one that you'll hear repeated many times usually. But Micah 6, verse 6 through 8 says this, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before him with the exalted God? I, I, I hear this as almost like, I, I don't, what do you expect from me, God? I wasn't dealt the cards that others have been dealt. Mine are different. What do you, what do you want me to do? Yes, I want to be that father. I want to be that Christian. I want to be that believer that you want me to be. But God, I don't know how. So what do you want from me? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions and sins, the, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? What do you expect from me, God? It goes on in verse 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. To to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Last week I talked about we're to come before him as children. And and, and we're, we're to be innocent and humble in his presence. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 and 13, it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. You, You don't have to know what to do. You have to know the heart of your Father. When you get to know the heart of your Father in knowing His heart, the equipping begins to be who He needs you to be. God needs each of us to be who He's created us to be. He's not asking you to do it on your own. He's not asking you to do it alone. He will give you the equipping. All He asks you to do, as we read in Micah, is to do or to act justly. Be fair. Be fair in your dealings in your home and be fair in your dealings in work and, and, and just be fair. How would, you know, the, 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 what would Jesus do? WWJD, when you approach your situations, men and women and all of us, when, when you're in a situation, approach it the way Jesus would approach it. But I don't know how. Get to know your Father. Get to know his son as we read in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Ask, ask a, a stand-in father that you've met in church how you should handle situations. Seek godly advice. That's what being a functional family entails. Yes, unity is a big part of that, and working through conflict is a big part of being a functional family, but 
but seeking the wealth and wisdom that already exists for the furtherance of kingdom living is also a part of that. Don't go it alone. I don't know where the saying came from, but the saying where it takes a village sometimes to raise a child. There isn't a better village than a Christian-believing church. Love mercy. What's loving mercy look like? I had a, told this story before, and it's one of my lowest moments as a father. I had a three-year-old daughter who's now going to be 24. Wow, my, her mom's getting old. <laughs> she was three years old, and we were in the grocery store, Rayleigh's, and we walked by. Remember the toy aisle that the grocery stores would have? And, and so we're getting closer to the toy aisle, and so you start gripping her hand harder because you're going to walk past the toy aisle, not go down the toy aisle. And so before long, I realize I'm starting to drag her. And next thing I know, she's like flat out laying on the floor crying. And that whole corporal punishment thing was not going to work in public in that store. And so we headed out to the car while mom finished up grocery shopping. And she's sitting in the back seat. And, and I'm like, what am I going to do with her? She's just spoiled rotten and blah, 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 blah in my mind. And then I hear this voice. Well, Grandma would have bought it for me. Oh, and then I was like, we're cutting grandmas out of your life. No more grandmas for you. And so I remember we got home that evening, and I said, we're going to teach her a lifelong lesson. All her toys, her entire room is going into the garage. I'm sorry, but that's what we did. I said, you can keep three toys. And here's this three-year-old girl. I said, so you pick them. What three do you want? I want my Barbies. Now, mind you, she had like 20 Barbies because of grandmas. I said, no, you get one Barbie. And she literally, like ice cream outside now on a hot day, just melted into the floor and started sobbing. And my heart was just wrenched. But I'm stubborn. And I was going to still make sure that we taught the lesson. I remember looking over at one point as I'm carrying big old kitchen sets out into the garage. I look over on the bed, and sitting on the bed are two women crying, her mom and her. So as the dust is settling and she's in her room playing with her one Barbie, I get a call from work saying, Doug, uh, you're going out of town all week with me, so make sure you pack up for at least three or four days. I was like, oh, I can't leave town now. I just devastated my daughter. And the sense of moving from being just to being merciful started to overwhelm me. So I left town that morning, and I kept calling home, hey, bring this back into her room, and can you bring this back in? And, and God gives you special people in your life, like he's given me my wife now of 27 years because she had already begun to do it. And I was overwhelmed with the fact that, yes, I need to act justly, but I need to love mercy. 
And so I was able to come home from that trip and love on her. And to this day, she knows the love I have for her. But then it's also very, very important for us as parents. And I'm speaking to parents, not just fathers today, because I realize there's some of you that are parenting without a father to help. But it's important for them to see this, to walk humbly with your God. And I'm not talking about being humble only. I'm talking about doing it with and them seeing you do it with your God. It's important for them to see you doing Scripture reading and prayer time. It's important for you to demonstrate how you would love them to, you would love to see them live and live out their life. But more than just being a hypocrite, because a hypocrite is an actor, more than just acting it out, it's them seeing the depth that truly exists between you and your Father God, that you live humbly before them. Psalms 124.8 is so encouraging because, again, being who you were created to be, it's not entirely on you. It says in Psalms 124.8, our help is in the name of the Lord, the same one that made heaven and earth. It's a common scripture again. Think about the power of the words. The God that created heaven and earth, the power that had to exist in that God, our God, our Father, is the same one to help you be who it is he's created you to be. If I could have the fathers stand again and with great purpose, I'm going to ask for you to come forward this morning. And I'm, I'm, I know this is specific to whether you're, wherever you're at as a father, I ask you to come forward. Go, go ahead and come on up. Somebody take the first step. There you go. Come on up here this morning. It's important that, yeah, if you could. I can look across here and I can see fathers in different stages of fatherhood. I can see fathers in a different place as a father. Some of you are, are anticipating what it's going to be like in the future years with your children, and some of you are reflecting back on the years that you had with your kids. Some of you are celebrating grandkids and future grandkids, right? And great-grandkids. But I want you to stand tall with chest out, knowing that God has ordained, chosen, picked, established you to be the father that they know the love of first. I did not know God before I knew the love of my father, my earthly father. It was my earthly father that began this journey for me to get to know my heavenly father.
God has equipped you and gave, given you the ability to be that, the conduit, the, the bridge between uh, the natural life that I have and the eternal heavenly life that I can have. You can be that bridge. He's equipped you and will equip you. He's established you, and it wasn't a joke. It was very purposeful and intentional. You don't do it alone. That's what's so awesome about it. All he asks of you is to get to know him. As I watched my father go across the hallway and sit in the office of his father, in his presence, there was a transference of, of love and, and knowledge that was going on because he was in his presence. That same transference happens when you're in the presence of your heavenly father. When you spend time with your heavenly father, there's a transference of love. There's this transference of knowing what it means to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him.